Welcome to Edge Church. It's so great to have you with us today. I believe God's going to speak powerfully and wonderfully in your heart, and I want you just to prepare to hear a great word from God. Because you know what? Every battle that you're facing has a spiritual implication to it. Maybe you thought that the marital conflict that you were having with your spouse was just related to personality or upbringing or various opinions. Uh, maybe you thought that the, the decisions that your teenagers were making was just because they were young and maybe kind of foolish and naive and whatever it may be. But the reality is there's a spiritual side to every single battle. Uh, the Apostle Paul said we don't war against flesh and blood. We do battle against the principalities of darkness. Uh, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said in the Gospel of St. John. And so we know that every battle has a spiritual side to it. We don't see the spiritual battle. We don't hear the spiritual battle. So sometimes we're quick to dismiss it and to miss it, if you will. But it is there. And listen, if you're going to be a victorious person, you have to understand how to win your spiritual battles. There are some things that cannot be changed in the physical, in the natural. There are some battles and some challenges that can only be won by the power of the Spirit of God. And I want you to write down a few notes today as we journey through this passage from 2 Kings chapter 13. But before we get to 2 Kings, Job, that great that great man of God in the Old Testament, Job was a, a man that went through great suffering. He, was, he went through illness and he lost his family and his friends and his possessions. I mean, he lost it all. Why? There was a spiritual battle that was raging. God blessed him. God brought him through it. But boy, it was nasty when he was in the middle of the battle. Our nation is in the middle of a massive crisis. A crisis centering around race and racism. You know what the heart of racism is? It's that people don't know God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says that God created humanity in His own image. The reason that all people are equal and that one race is not superior to another is because God created us all in the beginning. And when God created us, He created us without distinction. We need more of God. We need more of God's Word in our community, in our state, in our country, and around the world. And when we do so, we will appreciate, we will love, we will honor, we will respect people who are different from us. There's a battle. There's a battle. There's no challenge you're facing today that doesn't have a spiritual implication to it. Our prayer is today that God would turn the light switch on in the spiritual battle that we are waging. Now let's look together at 2 Kings chapter 13 because Joash is the king of Israel. He worships Baal. He's not a man of God. He's not a godly king. Most of the kings were not. 
Elisha is 90 years old. He's literally about to die. Two verses after this little section of scripture ends, Elisha is gone. Gone forever. This is the last, this is like the last hurrah for Elisha. And the king comes to him because he knows he's in bad trouble. Now, Joash doesn't really respect Elisha. He hasn't been chummy with him because he worships Baal. He doesn't worship the Lord, and he doesn't agree with the beliefs or standards that Elisha has. But in the moment of crisis, he wants to talk to the man of God. Is it not crazy? Is it not true that when people get desperate, people can get religious? Amen? I mean, the worst felon can get real spiritual when they're on death row. And so this is the king. And he comes in and he pays tribute to Elisha. But the reality is he's there because he's got a problem that he cannot fix. And he knows that Elisha is the only person. He's the only one that can help. So he seeks Elisha's help. Elisha doesn't actually give him a lot of consolation. He, he doesn't put his arm around him and pat him on the back. He begins to teach him through an illustration. Elisha is a master prophet. He's a master teacher. And he begins to give specific instruction to the king about how Israel is about to be saved. But it is unexpected. And it reminds me of Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 where uh, the scripture says, So he answered, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord, of armies. In other words, there is a spiritual battle. Now let's look today at the Word of God, 2 Kings 13, verses 16 and 17, because if we're going to win our spiritual battles, we have to open the window. Notice what the prophet says to the king. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, grasp the bow. And so the king grasped it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Elisha said, open the east window. And so he opened it. And Elisha said, shoot. So he shot. And then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory? Yes, the arrow of victory over a ram. It kind of sounds like maybe Elisha is a little bit insensitive to the desperate cry and need of the king. But what he is saying is so profound that I want you to see the beginning of this because listen if you're going to be victorious in your spiritual battle you have to have perspective and he says open the window the reason that we look through windows is because windows give us perspective this morning I woke up and I opened my window and there was a strange man standing there it was uh, I, my bedrooms on the second floor and uh, I forgot that the roofers were there and they were putting new tiles on the roof and I had a, I had a perspective. I saw a man standing right in front of me in the window. And then it was interesting because I went downstairs and I went out the front door to come to the office and, and to come to church. And I looked back and I had a different perspective. I was, I was looking at the same thing, but what I saw was different. The perspective was different because I was standing in a different place. If you're going to fight that spiritual battle, you got to get God's perspective on your life. And the first question is, well, what are we looking through? What are we looking through? The king and the prophet were looking through that east 
window. They, they were looking through the window, the direction towards the enemy. They could have looked at a lot of windows that day. They picked the one that was towards the oppressor, towards the battle, the east window. What are we looking through? And you know, if we're going to be victorious, we got to understand that we can look through the wrong, we can look through the wrong lenses sometimes. I, I grabbed Miss Jan's glasses off of her desk right before I came in here to preach to you today. And I, wow, it's amazing when you wear somebody else's glasses, how crazy you can become. I, I, I feel like I need like medication and therapy after wearing those. If I'm a little dizzy up here, you'll know why. Because I'm looking through the wrong lens, amen? I'm not looking through what I need to look through to see. Every lens has a color to it. And a friend of mine a few years ago gave me these Ray-Bans. And, you know, shades are interesting because when you look through the shades, you see a tint. Sometimes it's an amber color. Sometimes it's more yellow or orange or brown or whatever color that it may be. But there's a tint. And it, and, it, and it shades the vision uh, that you have. And so what you see and what you behold is contingent upon the lens that you're looking through. Now, in our spiritual life, God has given us a lens. One of the lenses we look through is the Word of God. And when we see our spiritual battles through the Scripture, we have a lens. And yes, it impacts our vision. We don't see the things that we used to see. We don't see the things that other people see. We have a perspective that is different and unique. If you're going to be victorious, you got to look through the right lens, and that is the Word of God. One of my new favorite verses is Deuteronomy 20, verse 4. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Isn't that great? That's a lens, man. I want to look through the lens of Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4. But there's also another question, what are we looking at? Are we looking at the enemy, or are we looking at the arrow of the Lord? Are we looking at a ram, or are we looking at God's arrows? Isn't it easy to get fixated on our enemies? I mean, our enemies are big, they're intimidating, they scare us, they strike fear in our own hearts, and we, many times we get into scenarios we don't really know what to do, and, and it's easy if we're not careful to get our eyes on the enemy rather than on the size and the bigness of God's might. If we're going to be victorious, we got to understand that God is greater than any challenge. There is no challenge that is too great for our God, and we look through that lens just as Elisha and the king looked through that window. They were looking to victory. God was giving them a perspective. It was almost like, I want you to shoot the arrows, and as you're shooting the arrows, I want you just to think about what it would be like to see the enemy laying on the ground and to see Israel marching in victory. Perspective. Now, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? we got to remember our victories. It's hard to win, isn't it? My youth basketball club had three seasons in a row where we won three games. We had losing seasons. 
Last season, I was so happy. We won nine games, if I can just brag for a minute. One game, we were winning so big, I forgot I was the coach, and I started filming on the sideline on my iPhone all the plays, man. I was like half dad, half coach, half fan, whatever it was. I was posting things like crazy. I was even putting things on Twitter, and I don't even tweet. I was so excited. And I wanted our kids to celebrate the victories because it's hard to win. I played on a high school basketball team that won 10 conference championships in a row. And the problem with winning that much is that you don't really understand how hard it is to win. It's a special thing to win. Our coach left the season before my senior year, and our team got third place. And it was, it was almost like the whole school went into a deep, dark depression that year. You don't realize when you're winning how special it is to win. It's hard to win, but when you win, you ought to celebrate it. You ought to remember it, because I can guarantee you the devil is going to whisper in your ear, about the losses. And unfortunately, many people are playing the film in their mind of their losses more than they are of their victories. But you know what? When we got the right perspective, when we're looking out that window under the leadership of God and His Word and the power of the Holy Spirit, man, nothing can stop us. Nothing can stop us. We have to see it before we can seize it. And so Elisha begins to help this young king by helping him with his perspective. If you're going to be victorious, what lens are you looking through? What are you looking through? Here's the second thing. we got to aim the bow. Now that's preparation. He's going to have the king practice. <laughs> I mean, this sounds kind of odd because I doubt that the king did a lot of fighting, but, 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 but he's the leader of Israel. And notice what the prophet says to him there in verse 16. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, grasp the bow. So the king grasped it, and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. So like they're holding it together. And Elisha said, open the east window. So he opened it, and Elisha said, shoot. So he shot. And then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory, yes, the arrow of victory over Aram. You are to strike down the Arameans in Aphek until you have put an end to all of them. And then Elisha said, take the arrows. So he took them, and then Elisha said to the king, strike the ground. So Elisha has him shoot an arrow, and then he says, keep shooting the arrows. Now it's interesting because... When I first began to read this passage, I thought, well, why would he have him shoot an arrow and then grab the arrows and start hitting the ground with the arrows? But I think what is missing in this passage is that Elisha is asking the king to strike the ground with the bow and arrow. So he's supposed to sh keep shooting all of the arrows. He's to strike the ground with the velocity of the bow is what, really what he's doing. But he's having him practice. He's trying to get it in his mind. You're going to be victorious. You know, you, you have to see it before you can seize it. Amen? you got to practice it. What we practice 
will come to fruition in our lives. This is why it's so important for uh, single people, and I'll talk to our younger people, to practice, to practice God's plan for sexuality. If we live a promiscuous life when we're single, and then we think, well, when I get married, then all of a sudden I'll be faithful to my wife. What we have practiced is one thing, but what we are doing in the game, the game of marriage is the opposite of what we have practiced for years and years and years in our lives. That's why God has held us and challenged us to live by a high standard, man. How you practice is how you play. If you have, want to have a great marriage one day, you need to be preparing today. No, nobody may be asking you out, but you're in preparation, man. You're ready. You're ready because, because marriage is going to be a battle one day. And the foundation that you have laid in practice is going to have massive implications on your ability to win. Now, preparation is seen throughout the ministry of Elisha. And Elisha, in an earlier passage, had the kings that were desperate. There was another situation where the kings were being attacked by the enemy. And they didn't have any water. And they were about to die of thirst. And Elisha said, dig a bunch of ditches. And he sent a massive storm. And water filled the ditches. And the armies survived and had a great victory. But before... Before the victory could come, there had to be preparation. God, it wouldn't have done any good for God to send the rain if they didn't have anything to hold the rain. So the preparation of digging the ditch got them ready for the blessing and ready for the anointing and the power of God. Are you prepared, man? Are you practicing the things in your spiritual life that you know are going to bring success. A lot of times we think about getting in the game, but we think very little about practice. But how we practice is how we will play. It's so important, isn't it? So important. And it says the Lord's arrow of victory there in verse 17. Look at it. I mean, man, it's the Lord's arrow. We ought to get ready for victory. There's an arrow of victory over depression. There's an arrow of victory over doubt. There's an arrow of victory over selfishness. There's an arrow of victory over insecurity and an arrow of victory over anger. Every battle has a spiritual side to it. It's the arrow of victory. God tells the king, you're going to win. All you got to do is shoot those arrows. Practice up, buddy. I want you to, I want you to see it. I want you to get ready. There's a preparation. Are you focused on a ram, the enemy, or the arrow of the Lord? What, what's our focus? What's our focus? We, we've had some time, haven't we, over this last few months with COVID. Many of us have had a chance to slow down. So some of you are thinking, not me. I've, I've, I've worked even more. I've done more. But many of us have slowed down. Kids' programs have been canceled. Youth sports have come to a screeching halt. Um, um, restaurants have shut down. I mean, you know, it's just, there hasn't been a whole lot to do. There's no movie theaters. There's no ball games to go to. There's no entertainment parks. And, and it's given us a wonderful opportunity to refocus 
to refocus on the things that matter most. I hope for you it's your faith and your family and other things that God prioritizes for us because if we will practice by putting our attention on those things, when we shoot those arrows, we will hit the bullseye. Every follower of Jesus is an archer because we're in the middle of a spiritual battle. And God wants us to launch our arrows on point, on target, because you know what? The window is closing. God gives us specific opportunities at specific times for specific moments. And if we miss, if we miss that, that window, we can't go back. I hope you make the choice and the decision to not live from the vantage point of regret. But I hope you feel like, man, I let it rip. I shot my arrows. I did everything God purposed for me to do. Everything that's before me. God, give me the perspective and God, help me to practice. I believe this. When you get up in the morning and get on your knees and pray, that's practice. You're saying, God, I need you. When I go to the office today, I need some help. Lord, when I'm leading my family, when I'm, I'm making some big decisions today, God, would you lead me? That's practice. How you practice is how you will play. When you come to worship, when you come to church, how you practice is how you will play during the week. We need to focus more on practice. I had a kid on my youth basketball team he came and tried out a few seasons ago and the dad called me and said we have some other obligations my son wants to come to all the games but he doesn't want to come to the practice he can't come to any practices is that okay we'll pay the full registration fee but we don't want to come to practice I thought that was the weirdest request I had ever received as a youth basketball coach I've never heard of anybody that played on a team that didn't practice. <laughs> Nobody gets excited about practice. Not like a game. Everybody wants to perform well in the game. People are like, eh, practice. It's kind of like a necessary evil. It's something that we have to do. But, but it's the preparation, man. It gets us ready for the things that God has for us. And we want to end, win. So we should open our window, we should aim our bow, and here's the third thing, we should shoot our arrows. Now notice the thing that Elisha says to him. This is, this is interesting. Then Elisha said, take the arrows. And so he took them. And then Elisha said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have struck down a ram until you had put an end to them. But now you will strike down a ram only three times. In other words, because, because you only shot three arrows, you're just going to have a partial victory. God, God wanted to give you a full victory. God wanted you to have a total dominance in this war. But because you stopped, you're only going to have 
a partial win. Can you imagine if you had like an undefeated season before you, but then you settled for 500? That's defeating, isn't it? But the question when you read the passage is, well, why didn't Elisha, why didn't Elisha say, shoot five or six arrows? Why didn't he give more specific instruction? I mean, Elisha kind of leaves it hanging a little bit. He just says, shoot some arrows, man. I think the reason is that because he wanted to see the passion with which the king would engage this challenge and opportunity. He was waiting to see how much intensity the king was going to bring to this scenario. And I just kind of envisioned the king, he's kind of lackluster, he's half-hearted, he's, he's not enthusiastic. He may have been thinking, well, I'm really not an archer anyway, so why should I shoot the arrows? <laughs> it's kind of like when I tell my kids, hey, do your homework. I, I don't go through, my boy's 13 years old, I don't go through with him and go, now, did you turn in that math homework? Did you, did you read that book for your English class? Did you write that paper? Did you do those, did you do those equations? Um, did, did you prepare for that test? He knows he's got to do what he's got to do to be prepared to be a good student. Uh, my boy went to basketball camp last summer and he talked to one of the guards at at one of the local high schools, who was a star player. And he asked, what do I need to do to handle the ball like you? And he said, 15 minutes a day, every day, you got to work on ball handling. I, 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 don't, I don't have to tell Zane, Zane, you, you got to work on ball handling. Zane knows he's either going to work on his ball handling and be a great ball handler or not, but it's not my job to go through every single day and to hound him about all the details. Elisha's throwing it out there and he's seeing what the king is going to do. Now we don't know specifically why the king gave such a half-hearted effort. We, we, we don't know. Maybe he was apathetic. You know, sometimes we can be apathetic by thinking, well, if I'm a little bit like Jesus, then I'm good. Our goal should be to be a lot like Jesus. Well, we shouldn't just shoot three arrows. We should empty the quiver when it comes to being Christ-like. That's not my role. That's not what I do. Maybe he was afraid. You know, fear. Fear can hold us back from winning those spiritual battles. Is God going to come through? Do I have what it takes? And maybe he was fearful. Maybe he was just indifferent. He wasn't feeling it. You know, we work on the big sins in our lives, but not the little ones. We can be rather indifferent, can't we? Laziness. Uh, maybe he thought it was a waste of time. Maybe he just didn't really believe that Elisha could help him. But for whatever reason, he very unenthusiastically shot three arrows. And Elisha's like, man, come on, dude. I mean, if you're going to win, 
You have to fight. You have to perform. You have to bring your game. You have to practice hard to play hard. It's amazing because you see in this passage God's divine sovereignty, you're going to win. And you see man's responsibility. God says, I'm going to give you the victory. By the way, you got to go and take it. That's exactly what he told the Israelites in the book of Joshua. I'm going to give you the promised land, but you have to go and you have to conquer it. God is wanting you to be spiritually victorious, but he is looking for men and women who will go and take it. And you will play like you practice. So what are you practicing? What's your spiritual routine? How are you preparing for the day of battle? See, we, we, we don't think about the battle until we're in the middle of the battle. We actually don't begin to prepare for battles until we're losing. Every single day, we ought to be on our knees before God. We ought to be in this great book because we never know when the battle is coming. And when it does come, we're already ready. We're already prepared. Shoot your arrows. Don't stop. Elisha is saying you can't quit. You have to give God everything you have got if you want to be spiritually victorious. You cannot be half-hearted when it comes to your commitment to Jesus Christ. Now when Joash had shot three times, he paused. And therefore the blessing of God paused. I wonder if your life is on pause because you stopped too early. You quit before God said quit. But man, today, we want to press the pause button again and begin to play and to shoot those arrows and to do everything that God has put before us to do. When we come to the end of our life, we want to be able to say, I gave it all that I had. I shot every arrow that was in my quiver. God, I gave you my best. I wasn't always perfect, but boy, I brought my intensity. And I sure did try hard. And when we do that, we will be people that win great spiritual victories. Let's open our window. Let's aim our bow. And let's shoot our arrows as we march in spiritual victory with God. Would you pray with me for a moment? Let's just pause for a moment. I want to pray for you. Some of you are in the middle of a massive battle and you need the power and the presence of God in your own life, in your own heart. I want to pray for you today. If you would just reach out your hand in faith. Lord, you know those that are hurting and you see those hands stretched out all over our city and and even around the world today. Lord, would you intervene? Would you give divine wisdom and strength and determination to do what you have purposed and called us to do today, Lord. Would you do it? And others of us may not have ever met this great God. He revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave on the third day, and he did so because he loved you. And the scriptures tell us that all that will call on his name will have their sins forgiven and will join God's spiritual family. Would you do it? Would you ask Christ to come into your life? I want to pray with you. If you'll just bow your head for just a moment and just pray with me if that's the desire of your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. 
make me a brand new person as I'm putting my faith in Christ and what he did at the cross and resurrection. And now, Lord, thank you for coming into my heart and making me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm so thrilled that so many of you prayed with me today. And if you did so, please put in the chat, uh, I prayed with Pastor Ryan. We'd, we'd love to celebrate with you and, and, and love to send you some resources this week about your spiritual decision. You can just put in there, I prayed with Pastor Ryan, and we'll know exactly what you mean by that. God bless you, and I hope you have a fantastic week.